Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The tight end position league-wide. Give me a guy that, that you look at and say, wow, that, that guy is the guy, at the, other than yourself, at the tight I mean, end position. So hear me out. I mean, Travis Kelsey, six seasons in a row, a thousand yards. I'm pretty sure he has the most receiving yards over any wide receiver skill position in the last six years. And he gets paid half of what a wide receiver makes, which just boggles my mind. I appreciate Kittle saying that because, you know, that's my guy. And he always wants to see every tight end get paid as much as, you know, they, the, their production is. But at the same time, um, I signed my contract understanding what uh, – what I had, and uh, at the same time, you know, I um, I put a lot into this, man, and and, and money is uh, I, I, money in my mind is almost a, a secondary at this point in my career. I'm just I'm I'm here for the legacy, and I'm here to try and make the Kansas City Chiefs the best team possible, man. AKA Travis Kelsey is not selfish. Uh, I'm glad you went there because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but, but, but look, but look, how do you reconcile Kelsey at 15? Yeah. When the top of the receiver market is kissing 30 now, how do you, that's a hell of a bargain for the chiefs. Well, it just happened this year where this all went crazy, right? I mean, as far as the receivers, so it's still, I think the market's adjusting and going to have to adjust a little bit because of that. You're right. It looks awkward. It does, but I mean, come on, that's one of the main stories, and I think something that we'll probably look back in time to go, man, the 2022 offseason changed the game, especially at the pass-catching positions in the NFL by these contracts. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if some of these numbers catch up with the tight ends because they're not – a lot of them are just big, wide receivers, and they're used like that. So it's a valid point by Kittle and, and everybody else. Well, and you've got Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's contract was expiring after this season, and he wanted a hell of a lot of money. And the Chiefs were like, well, you know, and at some point they had to have had the conversation, is this guy really worth twice of what Travis Kelsey is worth? And if we're going to give this guy close to 30, how do we keep only paying Travis Kelsey 15? 
Remember the, the Julio Jones problem right, from the four Matt years Ryan. ago in Atlanta right. was sparked by Matt Ryan making 30 when Julio was making 15. And he's not twice as valuable as I am to this team. It's even easier to make that argument when the two guys in question both run pass routes and catch yeah. passes from Patrick Mahomes. Right. And there's no way Tyreek Hill is twice as valuable as Travis Kelsey. And I, I suspect that that was probably one of the factors that they considered at some point. Because if we pay Tyreek Hill what he wants, we can't in good conscience not adjust the contract of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, that's it's a hard thing to sell, you know, to your football team. I think, it, you know, between that, getting close to the age of 30, and maybe they're going to be one of those teams, like we've talked about, that's just going to go, wait, we, we, we have an eye for receivers. We'll find guys other ways than paying somebody $30 million a year. I could see... Andy Reid and and company kind of having that approach certainly and you know to your point too Mike you know I, I need to go back and look and maybe check out some of the numbers but my my football intuition tells me that the Chiefs struggled a lot more when Travis Kelsey is in the lineup than Tyree Kill as awesome as Tyree Kill is that you know, still Kelsey on a play by play basis is dependent on more. Kind of where it's just like, hey, Tyreek, run fast over there or run fast over there. Kelsey's doing things underneath and working on a guy and got a little bit more of, a, I guess, a tangible spot within the offense to me than Tyreek Hill did at times. The other reality, too, Travis Kelsey is signed through 2025. He's under contract for four more years. And at some point, they've got to address it. You know, next year, $12.25 million. The year after that, 14. The year after that, 16.25. The, the market's going to keep going up. The cap's going to keep going up. At some point, they need to take care of him. And maybe maybe he said what he said last week, knowing that he's gotten assurances that they're going to take care of him, that he's going to be part of the team for a long time to come, and that he's not going to get the treatment that Tyree Kill got, which is if you don't want to be here, we'll send you to a place where you won't have Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's part of it for Kelsey, too. I think so. If, if you push too hard, all of a sudden – you're no longer connected to Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to break in with a new quarterback. And he has played with other quarterbacks. I think Kelsey can appreciate the the special nature of having Patrick Mahomes as his guy. No doubt. No doubt. That's one where I think the situation, the team, your spot in the lure of the franchise, the quarterback and the offense and how they use you. Uh, again, I'm not trying to tell anybody to how to live their life, or, and I know we have our fun about the selfish and not selfish conversation, but that's one where I'd go, you know what, I'd, I'd probably take a few million dollars left to just continue to be in this situation here than roll the dice and maybe be in some crap situation somewhere else in the NFL. The hardest thing about it, though, is when you consider guys in their 20s, the kind of money that they're making, and then the question of, yeah, yeah. once I can't play anymore, what am I going to do? How right. do I replace this? You know, other than Tom Brady or Tony Romo, I mean, guys who go from playing football and making as much or more in broadcasting, those jobs aren't, aren't uh, you know, uh, growing on trees. No, they're definitely they, not. The, the, so so that, that's the question. And the younger you are, you got to project forward. Like, how much do I really need? How much... How much really sets me up for the rest of my life? What's the magic number? And am I leaving meat on the bone that could 
help yeah. take care of me the final 10 years of my life. Yeah, I know. I know. It's real. When you're 28, 29 years old, you're not wired yeah. to think that way. Yeah, no, you're not. But you're right. Here I am at 42, and I'm looking down the barrel of kids going to college soon, and I'm going, damn, why didn't I drive some harder bargains in year four? <laughs> and then say, screw you, GM. Screw you, Bruce Allen. Wow. I want more money. <laughs> why wasn't I selfish? Yes, is what why saying. wasn't I selfish? Exactly right is what I was saying. No doubt. I've said that to myself a few times after I retired. It was a little surprised that the Browns opted to use the franchise tag on tight end David Njoku, a first-round pick who had finished his five years or four years. They had picked up the fifth-year option on David Njoku uh, and then applied the franchise tag. So he had finished his five years. I'm sorry. I knew I would eventually get there. It just took a little (laughs) while. There were times during his career where it felt like he was the odd man out, where yeah. it felt like he wasn't going to become the player that they drafted him to be. They went out and signed Austin Hooper to the big contract. And after they used the franchise tag on Dave Njoku, I'm thinking they're not going to high-priced tight ends here. Hooper's on the endangered species list, and before you knew it, he was gone. Yeah. Well, now Njoku swaps the franchise tag for a four-year extension, so it's a five-year contract. Uh, the extension is worth $56.75 million, reportedly. It may be, you know, who knows. The real numbers eventually will come out. But it works out to about $14.1 million. For a guy who's never really had a year where you look at the numbers and say, holy crap. I mean, his career high in receiving yardage is 635. Travis, Travis Kelsey has six straight 1,000-yard seasons. So, uh, and, and Joku is going to land at number four on this list. Uh, it's a a stunner to me. It is. I hear you. Uh, And and maybe it just tells me that the Browns have huge plans for the tight end position in the Deshaun Watson-led offense, Chris. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, this is one where, yes, I don't know if his name deserves to be on the list that we just saw of some of those guys there from the production standpoint. But I think this this is one of those contracts that, and we'll see how it works out, that's chalked up a little bit to wait. We we kind of see potential here. The guys the guys got some freakish things about his football game, and probably knowing that, like, oh gosh, if he goes somewhere else, oh man, he could become a star. And I think that between the way you run the football there in Cleveland, we know the tight end can be played off of that so nicely in the play action pass game. Yes, you got Deshaun Watson. You've made this huge investment there, so you want to make sure he's got options to throw to. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons that that uh, they do this. But, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you in this fact of, you know, to get these kind of numbers for a guy that, yes, doesn't have the production of the other guys on that list, it's a little surprising. But I think it's a potential pay maybe more than anything else. 385, 386, excuse me, receiving yards as a rookie. 639 was his high watermark in 2018. Uh, That was the year they didn't win a single game. Then he was limited to four games in 2019 due to injury. Last year, he had 475 receiving yards in 16 games with 11 starts. 22nd among tight ends in receiving yards last year with 475 yards. So, look, it's a reflection that the market is changing. And if I'm Travis Kelsey, the Njoku contract is a hell of a lot more relevant to me than any of the receiver contracts because it just demonstrates where the tight end market is going to start to go if that's what David Njoku is getting based on potential, not on production. And there's a guy out there who's in a three-year run of greatness with the Raiders. The worst of his three years, 655 receiving yards, still better than the best year of David Njoku's career, and that's Darren Waller. 
Waller was the subject of some trade rumors earlier in the offseason. Those never went anywhere. But now the question is, new contract possibly for Waller. Here he is talking to our friend Ross Tucker last week about his contract status with the Las Vegas Raiders. My agent is uh, is working on that. Uh, I understand it. Um, but I know if I you know focus on it too much, uh, it could take away from you know my job and learning a new system and just you know, just continue to try to elevate and take care of my body in the right way. Uh, try to focus on those things and uh, let my agent handle that. And when decisions need to be made, decisions need to be made. When decisions need to be made, they will be made. That is a little ominous. But when you consider Darren Waller's contract, I mean, he's at half of Kelsey. Kelsey is at half of the top of the receiver market. Waller is at half of Kelsey and now woefully behind David Njoku. Two years left on Darren Waller's deal. And I can't help but wonder, and as Pete points out, 25% of what Devontae Adams is going to make, and Adams is a stranger to the team who shows up, and they roll out the green carpet for Devontae Adams. Meanwhile, Darren Waller is like, what the hell about, what, what about me? I'm the one who's been here. I'm the one who's been the star player. You know, I have a feeling that to the extent there was any truth to the trade chatter, yeah. it may have been, it may have just been he's exasperated by the failure of the team to to take care of him and uh and that may have sparked some discussion and conversation about possibly moving him this new regime has to figure out what they're going to do with darren waller how do they value him what are they willing to pay him what are they going to do if they're not going to pay him what he wants and what's he going to do what decision is he going to make when training camp rolls around if he hasn't gotten a new contract i think this is one we need to we yeah. need to pay close attention to First off, did you did roll out the green carpet? I like that. Did did you mean to do that? Yes, you did. Yeah. Okay, that, this guy's yeah. nice. I think that's a good one. I mean, that's a good one. It's, it's really kind of like a Florioism. It is. It kind of like I thought. Like maybe it just like money and red carpet. You it just might, went together yes. and went green. Yes. I know. I understand why it is, yeah. but I didn't know if you did it intentionally or subliminally. That's what I was trying to get at. Okay, I did it on purpose. All right, so you have more brains than me because I don't ever do it on purpose. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there, though. I mean, this is a special player. This is the guy that I think you and I would look at and go, well, wait, he's about to be the highest paid guy uh, at the position, right? I mean, he's, he's, wor he's worthy of that, what he's done on the football field. I think you can make conversation or conversation when he's healthy. I'm not sure he's not the best pass-catching tight end in football. He's right up there where I'd go, Kittle might be the best all-around one. Kelsey's the best pass-catching one. Waller, I think, would can challenge Kelsey a little bit. He's bigger than Kelsey at this point of his career. He's faster than Kelsey. Kelsey's still awesome. I get that. But I would think that this is a contract that, uh, yes, breaks the record books a little bit here for sure. And, like, I would think ultimately they're going to bow down to his, you know, wants or needs here just because I, I'd be shocked you know, you talk about tight end position being, you know, important to an offense or Deshaun Watson. Man, this is Josh McDaniels. This is coming from the New England Patriots. You know, it's the Giants, New York Giants old way. They believe in tight ends. That's for sure. I mean, gosh, McDaniels came from a place last year where they paid two tight ends double-digit millions to, to get there. 
You know, so I just would be shocked if he got out the door because I just keep thinking of that combination of Waller down the middle and Devontae Adams working underneath him and McDaniels doing all these things to stress defenses out. Like, do you want to go Waller's deep? Devontae Adams shallow. Oh, there's, there's you know, Adams deep. Here's Darren Waller shallow. He's going to play games with people that way, and I would think that's going to be a big advantage for his offense. That's where I think he's got a little power here, Waller. The versatility adds to the value because yeah. – as they like to do in New England, you can slip into the no-huddle offense and start moving the guy around. Exactly and right. Matches if you trap the defense on the field. 100%, certain Michael. Personnel right. group. So uh, yes. that's another reason for Waller to, to hold firm. And he would be working on three straight thousand-yard seasons, but for the injury. When you consider the fact that he missed six games last year with a knee problem, I think it was. Yep. He turns 30 this year. Those are factors that may make the Raiders want to give it a year. Yeah, Let's right. see how it goes this year. We'll take care of you next year. And Waller's people moving it toward a solution now. That may be where the push and pull is. And that could be the first test for Dave Ziegler, the new GM, and Josh McDaniels, the new head coach. What will they do about one of the most popular players on the team? And a guy who is a great story, a great inspiration, everything he's overcome, the substance abuse issues. He's a, he's a great ambassador for this belief that you can turn your life around. And he and Derek Carr are close. Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are close. They've yep. paid Carr. They've paid Adams. What are they going to do with Darren Waller? And I feel like they have to get it taken care of. And see, Waller, Waller's explanation underscores why we say Lamar Jackson needs an agent. Waller is focused on football. The agent is focused on contract. It right. is two different universes. Yeah. Football and contract, two different things. So it's smart that he has somebody taking hey, care of this, and somebody's yeah. going to have to make a decision about what he's going to do when training camp rolls around if he doesn't get what he wants, and hey. maybe he won't be there. Yeah, you're right. You know, I love you, Keo. You keep saying that with the agent thing because that is real. Like, I, I never understand that. You know, when guys are like, "Oh, I don't want to think about contract during the year." I mean, how well? I mean, how much thinking are you doing? You're just hearing a message from the player. I mean, your agent from time to time and all that. But like, that's what agents are there for. Start those conversations. You know what? Hey, don't don't you know. Don't drive me crazy with the small details. Let, just let me know when we get to a spot here where we got to really hash some things out. I mean, Tom Brady was working on owning the Dolphins, going to the Dolphins with Sean Stop. Payton, and, <laughs> and, a Fox Sports and a Fox Sports contract. Why? Because he was worried about football and he had an agent kind of just, hey, Fox Sports came to you with this crazy deal. You want to think about it? Sure, I'll think about it. Get back to me with some details. That's where an agent really helps. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but I will say this, if you're in the season, right, not having the contract becomes the distraction. Remember your Brandon Marshall story about yep, at the right. end of a season yes. where he hadn't gotten his contract. He didn't know he could go out there and give it his all because one injury and there goes his opportunity to get the money that he had That's earned the rough spot. based upon his performance to date. So it's not just having a, an agent who takes care of the issue. It's having the issue taken care of so you have peace of mind so you can go all in on the job that it is that you have to do that entails obvious physical risks. Um, back to the Browns. Yeah. The the uh, contract that was re-signed by Jadavian Clowney last week. He's back with the team. We probably talked about that. We do have Jadavian Clowney talking about why he decided to stay with the Browns for a second year. Here he is from late last week. I just want to chase that Super Bowl. I think we got a shot at it. We had a great defense last year. We went out and got some more key players on offense and some more on defense. And I just feel like we got a shot. And uh, I wouldn't want to do it no better team than the one I just played with last year. 
I think the, the, the key is to whether or not they have a shot is how many games they're going to have Deshaun Watson for. It's kind of hard to assess where the Browns are. The bets aren't even on the board. Playoffs, not make the playoffs. Um, the the over-under win total, they, they are on the board for division championship, which makes no sense to me. How can you even begin to assess the Browns in any respect until you know whether or not they're going to have Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield or somebody else at quarterback? But, uh, look, they, they have – a talented team, and last year it was the Mayfield injury that threw everything off. We really didn't get a chance to see how good the Browns could be last year because their starting quarterback was injured all season. No, I know you're right. You know, and and again, you know, it's it's a team that I think we were disappointed in. Yeah, they had the quarterback injury for sure, but man, I mean, to piggyback off of what Jadeveon Clowney's saying there, I mean, damn, yeah, the Rams are one of those teams. When, I mean, the Rams, the the Browns are one of those teams when you look at them on paper kind of like the Rams, you go, damn, there's a lot of good football players on this team. Like, damn, holy cow, everywhere. You know, Denzel Ward and Newsom at corner, John Johnson at, at safety and Grant Delpit, you know, Owusu Koromoa and Anthony Walker at linebacker, Garrett and Jadeveon Clowney and Chase Vinovich. I mean, the defense is it's stacked. They got players everywhere. Offense, we know it's one of the best offensive lines of football. Now you add in Amari Cooper. Those two-headed running, the two-headed monster running back, and David and Joku. I mean, I understand him wanting to go back there for sure. But yeah, the quarterback thing's a real thing. They are a team, though, that I look at to go. Damn, they're talented enough on paper that even with Jacoby Brissett, they should still be a pain in the butt, no matter who they play against. There should not be a team in football that really overpowers or outmatches the the Cleveland Browns in, in any certain area. They they are very well constructed football team. But isn't a completely different approach offensively if you have Deshaun Watson versus somebody else? I mean. Watson allows you to open up the passing game in a way that the Browns haven't definitely, in recent years. Definitely, right. And if it's Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield, it's it's, it's more a of a more, running presence. Yes, I, I, I don't disagree with you. They're more dangerous. We know that with Deshaun Watson. If he's you know hitting on all cylinders and ready to go and played a few weeks, then yes, they're going to be a handful to deal with, especially with what we know with their running game. You're right. I mean, if it's Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield – yeah, there's going to be a little bit more maybe of a conscious effort to tie the run game with the pass game. Let's not put it all on our quarterback and make him you know, have to carry the team that way. And that's where the Deshaun Watson thing is interesting because he'll be able to do that on the days their running game doesn't work. But, man, when their running game does work and then you got Deshaun Watson, watch out. And that's what's going to be tough about them. But, yeah, that's Watson is, is going to be a, a big thing to watch as far as how the AFC plays out. That's for sure. One other point regarding the Browns before we take a break, and I think this technically falls into the Chris in his hammock with his pina colada and his blunt four-day weekend because <laughs> Peter King and I mentioned this on Friday, right. the report from the Charlotte Observer that the Panthers wanted the Browns to pay 13 to $14 million of Baker Mayfield's $18.8 million salary as part of trade dis- discussions that happened during the draft. It fell apart. It's a huge gap. It just shows you the lack of leverage the Browns have when it comes to foisting the entirety of the contract onto someone else. They're going to have to pay some of it, and in the Panthers' estimation, the Panthers wanted to pay a lot of it. That is still out there. That is still lingering, whether it's the Seahawks, who have really not shown dramatic interest in Baker Mayfield, the Panthers, who haven't ruled out the possibility of bringing him in, the Browns maybe keeping him around until they know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, maybe somebody else out there. I don't know, but... It's still unresolved, and now we know why he's not a Panther. 
the Panthers really wanted the Browns to pay a huge amount of the money that Mayfield will make this year. I wonder what else they were going to send, you know, along with that. Uh, I, I had kind of missed this on Friday. I, I didn't really catch on to this until yesterday a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I do wonder that just as far as where it is. Because, again, like you talked about, I mean, Cleveland just seems like they have very little leverage here, in, in my opinion. I, I just, again, you can say all you want to Sean Watson. Oh, he gets suspended. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't I, – I just – I don't is that really realistic to think that Baker Mayfield's going to come back and play for you maybe? I just I don't see that happening. I just don't think Baker Mayfield's that guy. I think he'd rather go to a Seattle and compete or compete in Carolina or who knows. Maybe Jameis Winston's still limping a little bit and he goes to New Orleans. You know, I, there, there's plenty of places I think of like that to where maybe that's what what ends up happening there. So, uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm a little surprised. I just would like to know what kind of pick was talked about along with we want you to pay the 13 or $14 million. I would think they could find a sweet spot between the pick and the money at some point, but obviously Carolina wasn't happy about it. But that's the key to remember. The more that the Panthers are paying, yeah. the less they give up in draft pick. The less that the Panthers pay of that $18.8 million, the more they'd be willing to give up. And it becomes a transaction that way. So it's part of the balance. So, you know, if, if the Panthers were sending a third-round pick and expecting the Browns to pay 13 to $14 million, that's one thing. If the Panthers are sending a sixth-round pick and expecting the Browns to pay 13 to $14 million, that's another. But those two things go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah. And as one drops, the other goes up. As the other goes down, the other goes up. And you find the sweet – it's a, it's three it's two different things that have to come together – to make that deal happen and obviously it hasn't happened yet and we don't know what do you think what do you like what's your gut what's pasta and meatballs you think he ends up there where where do you where do you feel like he's going to end up when all said and done um i want to say the browns because i i feel like they're going to need him but that he that bridge is obliterated and i've heard nothing i've seen nothing to suggest that they've they've found a way to mend fences right I think Carolina is the only one that makes sense right now. And they've already, we, you know, the bottom line is we know they wanted him. We know they wanted him. The question, though, is what do they do with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral? What do you do at that point? Or do you just you go with Mayfield and Darnold and let Corral develop this year? I don't know. I know. I don't know either. You know, and, and what, what you, I think, you know, you know, you run the risk a little bit if you're Cleveland where, okay, now you, you didn't make that move to trade Baker during the draft and all that, and now, wait, Ben McAdoo, who's there in Carolina, oh, wait, you know, hey, Sam Darnold's doing pretty good. I mean, he's really taking on the offense. Man, I like Sam Darnold. You know, I think we can make it work. Or, or Matt Corral, whoa, damn, Matt Corral's a little more advanced than I thought, and we've already heard of them gushing about his talent a little bit. And then you add that, 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 that could hurt, you know, Baker's chances there too. At some point, Carolina can just go, you know what? We're actually kind of good. We're we're not going to mess with what we got here right now, and and you know throw another you know wrench into this whole situation and everything there. And I think you are risking that too with with Cleveland. You know what I I think they're going to keep him for now. Yeah, and for a couple of reasons, he's making the eighteen point eight whether he's on the team or not. Yep, right. They could they could carry him through training camp, and if he plays ball with them, you know, if they say we're going to pay you to not show up, and he's okay with that. The only problem is if he shows up and creates a distraction. And then if he goes too far, that's when they can try to do the Earl Thomas thing that the Ravens did a couple of years ago where they cut him for reasons unrelated to skill injury or cap. For personal conduct, it's detrimental to the best interest of the team. If he's in there 
just acting up and being a jerk. And that's where he needs to be very careful to always do the right thing. He needs to be Eddie Haskell when he's at the facility if he shows up. But if he's okay with the idea, we're going to put you on ice, we're going to wait for a trade opportunity, we're going to pay you every check, and then let's get to the trade deadline and see what happens. And on the other side of the trade deadline, we'll work something out to make you a free agent if we can't trade you. That's the only deal that I think Baker Mayfield would go with at this point. If he, if if it entails not being released by the Browns in the immediate future, an understanding that he'll be traded potentially, and then after the trade deadline, they'll they'll do what they did with Odell Beckham Jr. What they do? They kept Beckham until the trade deadline. They didn't trade him, and then they released him after that. And he did give up some of his money, but I think if Mayfield's going to play ball with the Browns, maybe they need to accept the fact that that they're going to pay him the full amount of what he's due after the trade deadline if they can't trade him. I have a feeling that's where this is going. It could be. I I just know, and I think you would be the same way. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm I'm not going to be, like, that easy. Uh, I'm I'm coming to work still. I'm going to make things uncomfortable. I want to play football this year. I only have so many years in my career to play football, and you guys screwed this up, and you guys put me in this situation, and now you guys are going to hold me hostage. And that's where – like if I'm him, at some point you got to go. If it gets to that point, and I do think you got to show up, practice, and start being a little bit annoying, and hopefully not cross that line to where they can run you out of t- town, like Earl Thomas and what you're saying there. And and the other side of it too is this isn't just about making your 18.8 million this year. This is about laying the foundation for future for next year, right? So you go somewhere and you play this year, and you show that you can play. So if he's on ice until the trade deadline, and then they cut him. This isn't plug-and-play like OBJ. you got to find a team that needs a quarterback. Who's going to need a quarterback in November or December? So you just hang around and wait for somebody to get injured, and then you get thrust into a situation. And and you're trying to learn a playbook and all these. Exactly. And maybe you don't play good because you're learning an offense. You're right. Now your values hurt. So that's, to me, you know, Mike, where, and I I, know you've said it a few times, I think at some point, you know, he might have to pull the, the old Steve McNair or whatever if it gets to that and start just going, okay, I'm here. Yep, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, and I hope it's uncomfortable because I'm going to be here every day, and he might have to do that at some point. This is like Deshaun Watson in Houston last year. It is, right? Really. It's funny. You're right. It really is. How how long will this dance last of team paying a guy to be on the team but not play? Uh, And it it just – does not feel like it's getting resolved anytime soon. Let's take a break. When we return, we resolve three more spots on the Chris Sims Top 40 quarterback countdown. Three guys who were all taken in round one last year. Where do they land? In what order on the Chris countdown? We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Chris Sims, Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. We are almost halfway through. Three more today. And there they are. All first-round picks in 2021. Let's begin at number 24, coming in just ahead of Jalen Hurts, the last guy we talked about, the first overall pick in 2021, Jaguars quarterback Trevor 
Lawrence. We didn't see much from him last year through no fault of his own. Right. That was the Urban Meyer lost season. So uh, I I don't know how you – I don't know how you read anything tough. at all into Trevor Lawrence's skills and abilities, but the reality is for three years, he was the can't-miss first overall pick, right. top NFL prospect. Let's get him to the NFL and let him shine. Now he gets a chance to shine with you know somebody who isn't Urban Meyer as the head coach. Yeah, exactly right. It is tough. It's tough to go back. They had a lot of issues with the football team for sure. You know, They weren't always good at running the ball, protecting him. The team was kind of all over the place, like you said, to begin with. Had high, had a hard time sometimes going. Wait, what are they actually trying to do on offense today? You know, I think you know when you really talk about it. First off, hey, he's big, he's strong, he's a hell of an athlete. There's no doubt about that. And we saw some of his potential in the last week of the year in a few games. Even the way he played to the Jets in New York. I mean, there is some things about this guy that are you know wowing altogether. You see him standing there in the pocket, doesn't need a lot of room, throws the ball pinpoint up the sideline, perfect throw there. You know, it doesn't take a lot of effort for him to do that. Here, against the Cardinals, great job. Remember, this is one of the reading the field, going through the reads. That was his fourth guy. He gets over, throws a ball in the corner of the end zone. Perfect spot. Uh, Again, we talk about the size. Size is a skill, like we saw in those last two throws, to throw over the line of scrimmage. And then on the move, hey, this is for a guy that's 6'6". Man, the guy can move. There's no doubt about that. And as the year went on, he got better in the pocket too, Mike. He was a little spoiled by his Clemson you know, fairy tale football team he was, but he learned how to kind of hang in there and move in the right spots. Now, the the thing that he's got to work on, and, and compared to maybe some of the other rookie quarterbacks that we're going to talk about here in the second, not as many wow throws as I would expect it from the can't-miss prospect, you know, the, since, since Andrew Luck or John Elway, right? The throwing can be inconsistent. You know, Mike, there's times where you can watch him throw 10, 10 – 10-yard out throws, and he'll throw the ball five or six different ways all t- uh, uh, out of the 10 throws where the mechanics are all over the place, the legs go all over the place, and that lends to too many just inconsistencies in his game at times. So really good player, but did not have as many wow plays as maybe uh, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields did when I broke these guys down as I was going through this. Like there, you see, you know, people in his face – and like throws the ball like stepping backwards and here's hey bad decision some of that's going to happen but the quality of the football at times is what scared me a few times and that's where I hope Doug Peterson and company can kind of get him on track there there you know the pocket there hell all you had to do is step up he continues to go back then he tries to make an unreal throw down the field it was impressive what he did there but just not the best decision in the world he'll clean some of that up like you said with Doug Peterson helping him out Doug Peterson got the most out of Carson Wentz that no anyone has gotten and then shepherded the the Nick Foles-led Eagles to a Super Bowl win. Here's Trevor Lawrence from recently discussing what impact he thinks his new coach, Doug Peterson, will have on Lawrence's growth as he enters year two. I think you can always tell the way um, a coach communicates with a, with a quarterback, you know, because he's been in my shoes. So, um Quarterback's an interesting position. It's not a big rah-rah, you know, chew somebody out. I mean, some, you know, you have some coaches that are like that. But uh, for me, that's just not what that's just not what I need. I can have a conversation, and, and Coach Pearson's great about that. And every play, he gives you a piece of feedback that another coach might not give you just because he knows what it's like, and it's something little that he might see that someone else doesn't see. So, Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. He, he, look, <laughs> he had no idea what he was getting into last year with Urban Meyer. He lived it. He did a great job of... Uh, other than the day, what was the day they broke down the huddle? What did they do? One, two, Grinding. three, grind. Did they? Grinding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. but 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 I think I think Lawrence. When you think about everything he went through last year, there has to be something from that that can be used in a positive way. I mean, when you weather that weird, bizarre storm of unforced errors that Urban Meyer brought onto the team, and the the yelling and the screaming and the demeaning and the bullying and everything that went along with it. And now you have a guy in there who knows how to coach NFL players, who was an NFL player, uh, who knows who Aaron Donald is. I mean, the, and, and Urban Meyer denied that he didn't know who Aaron Donald is. Sure, Jan, is what I say to that. But th- this could be, when you look at all the money they've spent, when you look at how nobody's giving them any any real yeah. credit or faith, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. We've seen crazier things happen. If it really was Urban Meyer last year, you remove Urban Meyer and you put a real coach in his place, the Jaguars could take off this year. I would think that they're going to be definitely a pain in the butt. You know, him getting cleaning up a few things, being a part of a better offensive system. You, know, you add Christian Kirk with Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chanel and then Evan Ingram to go along with that, and they made the offensive line better. Yeah, I could see them being a pain in the butt. Certainly, I'm not saying playoffs, but like a team where they upset a few teams throughout the year where we go, whoa, we didn't see that coming. And then, you know, to your point, too, with Doug Peterson, a guy that's come from the Andy Reid, you know, Mike Holmgren type of school where they prop up the quarterbacks. They make you feel, they make you the quarterback feel like he's king. You know, hey, Doug Peterson, yeah, I mean, he's in Kansas City. They, they, Mahomes is king. He grew up underneath, you know, Brett Favre in Green Bay. Brett Favre was king. He tried to make Wentz king there, and then he got hurt, and they had a few issues. But I think he's going to help Trevor Lawrence out a lot. Uh, Lawrence has big-time talent. He's just got to kind of rein it in and be a little bit more consistent, learn how to play in the pocket, and be a little bit more of a consistent thrower. And he could be one of those guys that makes an incredible jump here on the list, you know, going to next year. Next up on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown, coming in at number 23, a guy, and got to give you credit, Chris, you don't double down. You don't, you don't stick to a take that you end up disagreeing with. You have reassessed. Justin Fields. You yeah. have elevated Justin Fields. You like what you see in number 23 on the list, Bears quarterback Justin Fields. No no doubt. Uh, you know, Again, I, I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm, I don't ever try to be biased here. I always try to do my best to take that out. And I think the, uh, Justin Fields was one of the pleasant surprises of the 2021 season. I mean, he was phenomenal. First off, when you just talk about the physical ability, it's wowing. I mean, you talk, you know, I talked about the Trevor Lawrence and maybe lack of wow plays maybe compared to some of these other guys. Fields had some wow plays in every game. You know, whether it was with his arms or his legs, you went, oh, my gosh, that's special right there. You know, his running is – he's as gifted a runner as there is in football other than maybe Lamar Jackson. But I think he's probably close to in that class as far as a guy that can go 60 yards to the house or a touchdown, you know, break ankles, break tackles, do all that. But this is where I was most impressed with this guy. His throwing in the pocket was more con- – I'm going to use the word consistent again. You know, he didn't lose control of the ball nearly as much as he did in Ohio State and made some wow throws like you see here where he pushed the ball down the field. The Steelers game, you know, again, in the pocket, people bearing down on him. He is tough as hell. I know that. 
and putting the ball and the money into a tight window. You know, and then showed the ability to, wait, let me be a playmaker, make some plays outside the pocket, going to the left, throwing the ball to the right. This run right here, insanity in the membranity. I mean, I don't know. This is the 49ers. This is the best defense in football. They got guys all over the field with seven rockets up their ass. He's running by them like they're kids. So he really showed me something. Pretty smart, saw the field well. I'm still not sold on the motion. I do want it to – I still think there's some things to clean up there. You know, he can still get stuck on receivers downfield a little too long where you're like, wait, stop looking at the post. The guy coming across is wide open, but he's a rookie, and I expect him to be another one like Trevor Lawrence that kind of makes a big jump this year. There's such a strange vibe with the Bears it this is year. Weird. Look at what the Jaguars have done. The Jaguars have gone out, and they spent. They tried to spend their way – out of dysfunction, they're trying to put talent around Trevor QB, Lawrence that's right. to elevate the team, take advantage of the fact that they got two more years under Trevor Lawrence's rookie contract before he's even eligible for a second deal. Meanwhile, the Bears feel like it, they're tearing down, not building up around Justin right. Fields. And then if they do stink this year, the average fan is going to say, Justin Fields must stink. Justin Fields can't play. Justin Fields isn't very good, and I, I feel bad for him that the Bears aren't doing the same thing the Jaguars are doing to load the cannon around him yes. with the kind of talent that will help him thrive at a high level, and it's going to be on him if it doesn't work. That's, that's where I'm uh, – and, and I'm glad you brought me here, and this is why you're the man. You're actually naturally bringing me to a, a point that I wanted to make, and, and your point sets it up, I mean, perfectly, because we saw this a little last year. And What's going to happen to this guy? Like you just said, it's on him. It's on him. Nobody's going to care. Oh, your receivers, nobody knows your name, and you guys can't run the ball, whatever. And you know what that's going to happen? It's going to make him try to make crazy plays and do crazy things. And if I had another thing just watching back the year a little bit with Justin Fields and throws and scrambles is he did put himself in danger too much. And for a guy that I'm rooting for and he's got incredible talent – you know, that it's situations like you're explaining that can make you want to do too much. And I just, you know, hey, slide. Sometimes you got to go down. You know, those are things he certainly got to learn. But, man, it was a good rookie year and, and something to build off of for Justin Fields. As you were explaining that possibility, it made me think of one of your big criticisms of Deshaun Watson from past years when – he would treat every play like it was the last play of the Super Bowl. Well, what help did he have around Exactly him? right. No they, running game, nothing out. You're right. Exactly. Maybe maybe the wisdom, if you're a Bears fan in all of this, maybe the hope is that, that Justin Fields will try to do too much and will learn through the process of trying to do too much that he can do too much. Right. I don't know. That you know, like if like you put that, it all on him and he rot, you can't have that. You can't no, have that. It's not yeah, needed. You can't have that. You're not. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. But but the 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 point is maybe if he does get forced to be the the one man band. Yeah, I know. He thrives. Right. And they end up with a much better quarterback on the other end of the experience. You you could get that. You're right. You know he gets used to just carrying the squad with you know with not maybe the the the, the greatest amount of talent to where yeah it develops him into being able to. You know, have that line of, wait, he can run the offense, but if we're banged up or not playing good, he can make some freaky plays. I hear you there. And, I, you know, for his sake, I hope that works. I just want him to be careful for sure because he was a lot of fun to watch last year. All right, another guy who was a lot of fun to watch, although the team around him wasn't very good, could be a lot better this year, Zach Wilson, the next up on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. We'll break him down when PFT Live continues right after this.
Chris is off till Monday. I'll be back see tomorrow. Ya. Actually, Chris won't be back till Tuesday. See ya. We'll Four-day weekend. Screw work. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, God, that's good. That is definitely rolling out the green carpet, as Pete said. Uh, that was good. It's just amazing how the world has changed. My God. We I didn't know. We can talk about, about it that now, and... right? Right? I know. Wow. It is fun. It is. It's, 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 why shouldn't we be able to? Uh, again, I, I, that's what I always tried to challenge ever since I got in this business because, you know, you hear guys talk, oh, I'm going to go home and have a drink and have a beer and, you know, do this and do that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go home and, you know, smoke some weed. What's the difference? Like, you know, <laughs> get off my lawn with that crap. So uh, I'm glad we're breaking down some barriers. You, you've made the argument very compellingly in the, in the past that the abuse of alcohol is responsible for far more destruction and mayhem than, you know, people who smoke marijuana you smoke no marijuana doubt. you just kind of hang around you know right. you know i mean uh, you know you don't get into fights you know no. just all you don't the, drive like 190 all the, miles per hour and right a society that are sparked by people who are inebriated as opposed to you know if you're a little bit high you're i mean for the most part you're you're not gonna bother anybody you're just gonna go sit there yeah eat some doritos yes exactly so. right see what's on the tv i mean that's about as bad as it gets so uh you know but we, i think people have realized that which is a is a good thing at least most people we're going in the right direction well we are going in the right direction in the chris sims top 40 quarterback countdown and that is closer and closer to the top coming in at number 22 a guy who was the second overall pick last year one of chris's favorites we didn't really get to see much high-end production from him because he was running for his life pretty yeah. much every time he was on the field zach wilson the guy that you compared to mahomes and rogers and he's we've seen a few flashes of it Maybe this year we'll see a lot more. Yeah, well, I, th I think we will. We will. Now, listen, I, I think the first thing I should say, even with Zach Wilson, or maybe even going back to Justin Fields, because Pete got in my ear and he's like, hey, the way you're talking about these guys, most people are going to just go, you think they're awesome, they're awesome, they're awesome. Listen, I see a lot of awesome with these guys. I do. There's a ton of talent. They were in crap situations. Let's remember this a little bit. You, Justin Fields, no quarterback could have gone in there and looked that good, let alone they had games where as awesome as he was, you'd go, wait, did they run a quarterback design run or do anything to take advantage of how awesome the guy is and put the defense in a bind? No. You know, so now, yeah, there was issues there. But, again, don't evaluate just the stats and the wins and losses. Again, you could put Brady on the Bears or the Jets. The so things aren't going to look that much different. Oh, they win one more game. Whoopity-doo. All right, so that's where we all got to digest this the right way. Zach Wilson, same type of thing. First off, it was a slow start to the year. Sure, we know that. He got hurt. He got a chance to reevaluate things. And, man, when he came back in, he was special, in my opinion. And special in some games with no Jamison Crowder, no Elijah Moore, no Corey Davis. And the, the one thing about Zach Wilson that pops off to me, especially watching these guys, you know, back-to-back -back as I'm going through it, his arm, it pops off the screen. I mean, I think you'll see it here just watching these highlights. The ball comes out of his hand at a different pace than Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. And he can do it with ease and more awkward positions. So he's phenomenal that way. You know, I'm big on, of course, you know, physical ability. The arm is special. And then the ability to move and run and do all that is special, too. I mean, he ran for a 50-yard touchdown against uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a real legit athlete. But here's the reason, too, Mike, that I think I'd put him above some of the other guys or the other two rookies is 
he, to me, ran the most legit NFL offense out of all the rookie quarterbacks not named Mac Jones. They asked him to do the most of, like, this kind of stuff right here. Stay in the pocket. I know he runs here. Read the play. This is a real NFL play down the middle. We want you to read the coverage and make the appropriate throw. This shows his great running ability. And like I said, the guy has a little bit of it all. He's got some special playmaking ability. But that was the thing that I liked the most about it, Mike. He made the most legit NFL throws from within the pocket. They asked him to run a real offense. He wasn't managed maybe as much as Trevor or Justin Fields. And I think that when I look back at that, that really impressed me with the amount of wow throws that maybe the normal fan might not really appreciate completely like me, ex-quarterback, to go, oh, wow, he read that coverage and, whoa, he put that ball in a tight spot 15 yards down the middle. And, man, that's a similar play I see Aaron Rodgers do and stuff like that. And that, I think, is what maybe give him the little extra bump maybe over Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. We talked earlier about everything the Jaguars did to help Trevor Lawrence in year two, and there was a lot of excitement generated by the Jets because of the draft. But when you look at the full scope of the offseason efforts to improve the team, have they really done enough when, when we consider how insanely competitive the AFC East and the rest of the AFC are going to be this year? I, I, I think so. I do. You know, I look at them and go, okay, you got you know, Ozoma at tight end. Uh, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, you got to be excited about that. You add Garrett Wilson to the conversation now and Ruckert from Ohio State at tight end, and you go, wow. Brees Hall at running back, who everybody, I think, would agree in the passing game and the space game was the best running back in the draft as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, Lake and Tomlinson at guard, and, you know, of course, they need Mekhi Becton to be healthy. And then you look at that and you go, okay, the offensive line could be, it could be good. Uh, so I do think they've put weapons around them. I do think it's a good offensive system. And like I said, what I'm encouraged by was the fact that I think he made more wow plays and throws within the normal rhythm of the offense compared to the other rookie quarterbacks that we saw. And maybe even that goes for Mac Jones as far as wow throws within the normal rhythm of the offense. Uh, but I do think they've done enough, Mike. I think you couple with some of the additions and then guys that they come back that are going to be healthy that were hurt last year. Again, I think the Jets can be a pain in the butt like the Jaguars, but, man, Mike, we talked about this last week. The start of their schedule is brutal once again. Yes, yes, and the, the easy games, the, the, the more winnable games are all after week nine. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is one of the important things of the schedule release. We know who they're going to play. We just don't know when, and their schedule is front-loaded with some tough, tough games. The AFC North, the first four games of the year. The AFC North, the first four of the games of the year, followed by the Dolphins, the Packers, the Broncos, the Patriots, the Bills, bye week, and then Patriots. I don't, to me, again, I know we don't know, but I, like, we, we know it's early and you never know how good these teams are. But like, I look at those first nine opponents and go, like, even if they're not as good as we think they're going to be, they're going to be a pain in the butt no matter who you are. There's a ton of talent on those teams. It's not, so even if they're a little underwhelming, it's still like, wow, is that an unbelievable schedule. And the Jets, this is, the, I think, the third year in a row. I just go, man, no breathing room, no chance to gain a little confidence for a young team early in the year to have it be a jump-off point. They'll be the underdog in every one of those games right? on the left side of the – Yeah. They'll be the underdog. It, it may be slim at Cleveland if they don't have Deshaun Watson, but – they're not going to be favored to win that game. They will be on the wrong side of the betting line in every single one of those nine games, and they're going to be hard-pressed to win more than two or three of them, frankly. And if they do, they're going to be set up for a good stretch run because they got some games they could win 
on the uh, on the back end of the schedule. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. Coming up later in the program, in honor of the 79th birthday of Joe Namath, we'll draft the best non-quarterbacks from the Jets division, the AFC East. We'll do that later on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. News that broke on Monday, and it was a stunner. Jalen Rieger tweeted uh, a message that indicated that Jeff Gladney, first-round pick in the 2020 draft, had passed away, and uh, ultimately it was confirmed that he and a female passenger died in an automobile accident in Dallas on Monday. Gladney, along with Rieger, went to Texas Christian, and again, Gladney, the 31st overall pick in the 2020 draft. He had signed earlier this year with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, just, just, you know, same feelings as what happened with Dwayne Haskins. It's just that reminder of how quickly uh, lives can change permanently beyond the person whose life is lost, the family members, the teammates, everyone involved. Uh, and, uh, you know, a horrible situation and condolences to all of his teammates out there at every level of football, everyone who knew him, his family as well. Uh, it, I, I'm at a loss. And every time, you know, the first thing I do now, Chris, when it's one of these young players, I check to see if they're younger than my son. Yeah. And the past, the past two have been, and it just, I, I, there's just something that makes that resonate even more. Cause I can't fathom having to deal with what his family members have to deal with. Uh, it hurts. I, I can't even imagine being in their shoes either. It's, it's what I think of as well, you know, being a father. It is. It's just life being so fragile. You know, a young man like this with so much of his life still in front of him, you know, in the middle of a great part of his life, that's where it hurts. It really does. And, uh, you know, there's all, it's, it's just it's, it's a brutal one. That was one that definitely made my, my heart hurt. What was that Sunday morning? Uh, it really did. And, and uh, condolences to him, his family. Uh, I just can't imagine. I feel so bad. Stinks for the Arizona Cardinals. They were expect they needed this guy to help them out. I mean, he's a guy that's got talent and some untapped potential. You know, so it's just all around just really stinks. But man, it just shows you how fragile life can be. We'll go ahead and take a break. We'll have more PFT live coming up right after this. So a couple things here. Yes. About uh, three minutes ago, you said. Simsisms. Kinks in the armor. And I feel like the urine buffalo let me realize that it was them. It's not him. And I saw, you know, some of those, you know, kinks in the armor worked out. That might be new. I might be a new one. A A kink might work. I mean, it makes sense. It's, yeah, you're blending two. I think that's that's what I do. That's what you do. That's what I do. That's what I'm saying. It's a new one. It is. Normally, Florio picks out those things, but I heard that one. I was like, I I haven't heard that one before. I want to just make sure that we use that again. Simsisms. I recognize no Simsisms that did not happen. On this program, it doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't matter anywhere else. Sorry, <laughs> but I won't do it. I will recognize this, however, Chris Joe Namath, seventy-nine today. Wow! And uh, we have we have some photographs from the Super Bowl forty-eight coin toss, where where Joe Namath upstages the big effer uh, by showing close. up 
in the gigantic fur coat. Wasn't there some conversation about that in advance, about yes. wearing a coat? Right, right, exactly. Joe Namath called my dad earlier in the week, you know, because they're going to flip the coin for the Super Bowl. And he wanted to make sure, and he kind of went along, oh, you're going to wear you're gonna wear like a blazer. Okay, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So he was kind of setting my dad up to make you look like, hey, you, I hope you look like normal, you know, Johnny businessman because I'm coming in Broadway Joe style. And he wore this and stole the show, of course, and it was pretty amazing. My dad loves Joe Namath. Got a kick out of it. And then if you remember, the best part of it is he's in the coat. You got, you know, the Seahawks and Peyton Manning and the Broncos, and he decides, and Terry McCauley's the, the referee, he decides to flip the coin when he wants to, and they're not even ready for it, which was uh, also hilarious. Uh, Joe Namath, being Joe Namath, and I feel like he's been 79 for 20 years. So uh, maybe he has been. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just decided to stick on 79. All right, we are going to stick in the AFC East. The best non-quarterbacks drafted today. No trivia, no time for it, unofficially. Pete didn't come up with a question. Chris, you're up. All right, well, I'm going to go to Tyreek Hill. I'm going to go right there. I mean, he's the most explosive guy on the offensive side of the ball uh, in the division. Of course, we know what he is. I mean, he can catch a slant and go 80 yards to the house or just run by you for an 80-yard bomb, uh, return kicks, punts, whatever. But I will go with Tyreek Hill as my first pick. I, 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 Stephon Diggs is going to be very disappointed in you. I, know. I will not allow him to be very disappointed in me. Stephon Diggs still one of the top receivers in the NFL. And when you consider that he's got Josh Allen and throwing him the football, that, that makes it even, you know. I, I know Ty, Tyreek's kind of been all over the place on – on Tua, uh, but I, I think he would be far more confident that his skills would be used to their full abilities if he was with Josh Allen, like Stephon Diggs is. So I'll take Diggs. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. You're right. And Diggs is a phenomenal football player and, and, and does some things better than Tyree Kill as far as route running and some of those intermediate routes. Man, Diggs is special that way. So if you really got an offense that values route running, that's where – you know, he certainly brings some value there for sure. Um, all right, I'm, I'm going to go down to Miami again. I'm going to take Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard's one of the best corners in football. Zone man, doesn't matter. And I don't think there's any, really any doubt, probably the best ball skills in any, any corner in the, in the league. I mean, he plays the ball like a wide receiver. It's kind of, it's kind of special that way. What'd you say, Pete, there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, well, he's, he's trying to tell me Trayvon Diggs has better ball skills. Right, but it's right there in that category as far as guys where the ball is 50-50 and you go, man, usually the DB messes up or chokes when the ball is getting close. Not Xavier Howard. He's very special that way, and uh, he's my second pick. Well, you go back to Miami, I'll go back to Buffalo. I mean, Vaughn Miller is still Vaughn Miller. Yeah. I know that injuries and, you know, he's six years removed now from winning the Super Bowl MVP. He is still – Von Miller. He is still one of the best pass rushers of this generation, and he is a member of the Bills right now. Are you kidding me? Exactly the shot in the arm that defense needs. If he can get back to just what he was a couple of years ago. I mean, how he, he came on strong late for the Rams last year, even though that contract was puffed up to make it look better than it was. They're still paying him real money over the next couple of years because they see what he can do. Yeah, exactly right. At end of the day, he's still one of the best pass rushers in the game. He is. We saw that down the stretch of the year. I don't. I don't know. Was anybody? Was anybody better rushing the passer coming off the edge of a defense the last few weeks of the regular season into the playoffs? 
Von Miller, he showed you like it. He's he's helps still to have Aaron it. Donald. Well, it does. Have it, Aaron certainly, Donald. it certainly does help to have Aaron Donald. But you know, either way, he got it done. That's for sure. And he's a handful one on one still. To your point, uh, so I like that pick. I mean, I'm I'm staying in Miami. I don't know. I'm going to go all three guys with the Miami Dolphins. I don't give a damn. I'm sorry. The Jets got a lot of good players. I don't know if there's anybody worthy of this right here, this right there, right now. Same with the Patriots. A lot of good, but I don't know if there's the great, like you see. And I'm going to go Jalen Waddle. I am. I'm going to go Jalen Waddle's too special. Uh, just jitterbug, rockets up his butt, doesn't matter. But just like Tyree Kill, it's a playmaker that can score from any place on the field, let alone I think he's probably – a little bit more of a better – he's a better route runner than Tyree Kill. He has a little bit of the Stephon Diggs intermediate stuff that I was talking about. That's where they can really run a lot of intricate slot route combinations with him that's special, let alone it's rare to have that kind of guy who can, you know, fly and challenge Tyree Kill in a race. So uh, I'm going three Dolphins in a row here, Mike. Well, I'll go three Bills in a row because there's only one person in the entire NFL who scored four touchdowns in that epic greatest game we ever saw, Bills-Chiefs playoff game, and that was Gabriel Davis. He had a great rookie season, a little disappointing going into year two, but exploded in the playoffs, and I think he is ready to take off in a big way in 2022. Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis. Look, we got four receivers from two of the teams in the AFC East, and it's all Bills and Dolphins. No Jets, and shockingly, no Patriots. No, I, it is. And, you know, you look at the Jets and the Patriots, there's a lot of players that are, you know, you write on the list that are in the conversation. But I think when it comes down to it, you just you can't you can't pull the trigger. I, I mean, Matt Judon certainly thought about him there. Quinn and Williams, I, I think you'd be crazy not to have him down there. He's too good of a football player. But a lot of it's like, wait, we see some talent and it's kind of like potential that's untapped yet, where I think the guys we talked about are kind of proven commodities waddle's the only guy there that's a rookie but we saw what he could do as a rookie it was pretty special so uh I, I don't think it's crazy that we ended up with a lot of the guys from these two teams there are many players on the dolphins roster about whom fans should feel very very good and as we have clearly established from the moment they traded for tyreek hill it's all on the quarterback this is his opportunity it is loaded for him if he can step up to the challenge, and we'll see if he can. Let's take a break. When we return, the mystery of the popcorn muscles has been solved. We'll tell you <laughs> who got called popcorn muscles and who did the calling of popcorn muscles when PFT Live concludes right after this. Yeah, Joey Porter is one of those guys who, uh, you know, when you when you got guys who talk a lot of trash, you know, just want to talk about people or put people down. Uh, they have their own insecurities, and his insecurities I don't know, but he's definitely one of those guys who, you know, all those muscles are popcorn muscles. He's soft. He's one of those guys that, you know, no matter how big he is, he still can get knocked on his butt, and he's, he's soft. He's soft at heart, and you can tell the way he's talking. His nickname is Peasy. I don't know what Peasy is. Joey. Brandon Marshall <laughs> accusing Joey Porter of having popcorn muscles. That was from the 2008 season. We were talking about popcorn muscles earlier in the program. Kudos 
to the control room for finding the solution. It's Joey Porter and Brandon Marshall, your former teammate, use that term. That'd be a battle right there. I mean, those those two, there's a lot of muscles there. I don't know if any of them are popcorn muscles, but Brandon Marshall's as tough a receiver as you're ever going to find. And Joey Porter, you couldn't would, pay me money to mess with him. So that I'd get well, some popcorn I, I to watch them fight. I would mess with Brandon Marshall. Right. All right. Either one. We're done. See you. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.